Do you have a family so ugly they could turn your clocks back and melt the cheese in your fridge? It's family portrait time and they always turn out like camel shit. The wife's hair looks like an A-bomb. Little Timmy so ugly you could hang your keys off his face. The solution is here, my friends, and he'll blow all the competition out of the water. Forget all those fancy schmancy professional photographers. You need actor, shark killer, photographer, and all-round great guy, Roy Scheider. Sure, to him this may be an hobby, and some days he turns up stinking drunk. But how many photographers do you know that can point a camera in the right direction and kill a shark? That's right, just one. Roy Scheider and his school of school. Ha <laughs> ha, guy's a genius. Roy Scheider's school of photography. His prices are a drop in the ocean. Smile, you son of a... Shoes. Why are you dressed like a chicken? Because we're doing Home Alone. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey I'm, all right. I'm good, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, mate. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, tonight we're doing uh, the 1990 Chris Columbus directed, John Hughes written, Macaulay Culkin starring Home Alone, family festive favourite. And breathe. <laughs> yes, I'm just really excited about this one, as as most as most of them really excited. But I am, I've, yeah, I'm a little bit jazzed. Might be the uh, Irish cream hot chocolate. Um, feeling all Christmassy, mate. I'm getting in the, the Christmassy mood. Getting in the so, festive spirit. Yeah, definitely. By having yeah. festive spirits in your hot chocolate, excellent. <laughs> so. Um, so before we get started, um, this, uh, like we said before, every time um, there's a little subscribe button in the corner. If you like what we're doing, then please hit it and make sure you don't miss out on all the future shows and updates. Uh, and if you don't, then I'll snap off your cojones and boil them in oil. And uh, that's nothing to do with the festive drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it's a normal Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so hold on, mate. When... What's your earliest memory of, of seeing Home Alone? Um, I don't remember the earliest memory of seeing it. I remember everybody getting excited about it at school. Mm. Um, like it was one of those things where they used to wheel out the TV and the VCR um, and everyone would be excited about Christmas. And we, and we, so we had Home Alone Um and you probably roughly the same because we're of that age where 
um, you used to get the Rocketeer or Home Alone or something like that being, yeah, being wheeled out to watch. Um, but it was, so I, I can't remember the first time watching it. I can just remember I have memories of um, like how excited everybody was to watch it or talking about it, if you know what I mean. I don't actually remember the first time I ever watched it. Uh, I remember not watching it for years um, and then watching it again maybe five, six years ago, maybe probably a bit longer than that um and just finding the spider scene hysterically funny this this the scream that, that goes off there like unbelievably funny to the point where i was watching it with my mom i she had to pause it while i had to get my breath because yeah. as someone who doesn't like spiders as well i can yeah. <laughs> sympathize with him uh what about yourself um again i don't i don't remember specifics i just remember it always being part of the Christmas tradition. Yeah, it was, it was on every year. Um, I mean, I think came nineteen ninety, so it probably wouldn't have hit TV for probably two, three years. Yeah, it used to be a very slow process, didn't it? Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Back in the day, so. Uh, but I just think I just remember. Um, well, we probably wouldn't have got it for Christmas ninety one, would we? On video, maybe. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think. Well, I mean, I was. Kevin's supposed to be about eight, I think. Um, so I was probably coming up for probably about the same age when I first saw it. Mm. So I think probably had that that, that connection. But yeah, as I said, I don't remember the first time I saw it. But I, obviously, it, it struck a chord. I, the main thing I remember is that I had the board game. Oh. Um, mm, it was it was awesome. It was uh, the the board was Kevin's house, and you had to someone played Kevin. Um, yeah. And two other players played Harry and Marv, oh. um, and you had to pick up. If you Harry and Marv, you had to pick up uh, jewels and stuff around yeah. the house um, when you rolled your dice and stuff. Obviously, if you were Kevin, then you'd hidden traps around. Wow, it was and it's done really well actually. <laughs> uh, but I've yeah, had a video game on the on the Mega Drive. Having that, really, I'd, I'd never played on it. Yeah, it was one of those where it was. Just really fucking difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really, really fucking hard for kids. I know. Um, I always remember the having Home Alone and Ghostbusters on the Mega Drive, thinking like the Ghostbusters one was quite a bit better, but thinking this is just disgustingly hard. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go for the tangent. But Super Star Wars with SNES. Oh, some of my favourite games, but so difficult. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So again, so I can't, I can't really pin it down. But I think it just, I was always just highly entertained. And I think it comes that it's not just you know because I you identify as a child with Kevin and that sort of excitement about being left on your own to be able to do what you want. Um, but as you get older, I think you I'm still like that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think as you get older, you sort of you can easily identify with Harry and Marv as well. Um, but yeah. as I say, the standout, the spider sequence, is for me matched with in the second one the electrocution. Yeah, and and that to me, I'll, I'll guarantee, I am in tears on the floor whenever I see it. You could play that now, and I would cry like I'll, I'll be crying laughing. <laughs> the two things that make me me cry laugh are Daniel Stern getting electrocuted, and um, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Laughing at the TV. TV. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, 
Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie, baby. Um, so yeah, yeah, but um, so we've got you know it's it's uh, John Hughes written. Um, we talked about you know a lot about him last week for playing strains. Um, and I was reading somewhere that he'd offered um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to Chris Columbus. Yeah. Uh, and Chris Columbus had written, um, obviously, Gremlins and, and everything. And he uh, he didn't, there was friction between Chris Columbus and Chevy Chase, um, yeah. which, as a lot of people probably imagine, was, you know, more on che- Chevy Chase's part than anything else. <laughs> um, so, you know, he didn't get to work and he just turned around and said to, to John Hughes, if you, if you get anything, it doesn't matter what it is, just, you know, let me know. And... Hughes was in the process of sort of writing Home Alone, yeah, um, and and hired him up. Um, and there was when you think about Chris Columbus um, as well and his body of work, and it is very family orientated, not just it's because a very long life. Yeah, fourteen ninety two was it when he discovered America or something like that? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's it's a beautiful pairing of skill sets because we talked again like with John Hughes about how his his humour comes from the heart and it's all character based. Yeah. Um but then you've got a a guy who's it seems to going on from obviously this to uh you know throughout his career leading up to the first two Harry Potter films. He's, he was such a big name in family entertainment in family films. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it just seemed like a perfect marriage of, of talents. Um, I think as well, getting you know um, Macaulay Culkin. You know they worked with John Hughes. Worked with her uncle Buck. Yeah. Um, was just a stroke of genius because even in that, that tiny scene in Uncle Buck where he's interrogating yeah, you know, John Candy, he, he completely holds his own. Oh, yeah, absolutely. As well, doesn't he? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's a great bit of, great of casting. And, you know, it's, and to say it wasn't Culkin's uh, first role either, um, it, just, it just worked. It just gelled. Incredibly yeah. well, um, but it's filled out by a, a great cast as well. I mean, you've got um, Catherine O'Hara as his mum, yeah, um, and those people know as the voice of Sally from Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, not, not Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, I know Nightmare Before Christmas. Jesus Christ, that'd be a different film, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly differently, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, and the 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 late John Heard. Um, yeah. yeah, bless him. Uh, it's, it's Kevin's dad, um, who I always thought could have been the bastard love child of Bruce Willis and William Hurt. Yeah, I also think it's a good piece of casting having Buzz as his lad, because although Buzz is one ugly motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> he shares some resemblance yeah. to John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that was a good a good piece of casting. Sorry, Buzz. No. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's obviously like, you know, um 
you've got all your little sort of family members and, and there's Kieran Culkin in there. Um, I didn't realise until today when I was reading up on, on everything that uh, Uncle Frank, who was a complete and utter shitbag. Um, you going to say what I was going to say. Yeah. Grammar, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, see, Home Alone, it's absolute Christmas classic, but there are a few little issues that I've always had as a kid with it. Mm. Um, and one of them is Uncle Frank. Look what you did, you little jerk. That pisses me off every time I see that. Could you imagine someone saying that to your kid? Well, say you punch them the fuck out, and yeah. Just... But that's the thing. I mean, just jumping into that part of the story, when that happens, I feel so bad for Kevin that Buzz is eating his cheese pizza. And then I really do. Sick. Yeah, I'm just, it's the only thing I'll eat. And he, so he's not really at fault because his brother's been an absolute dick. Um, but uh, some more on that in a bit. But um, yeah, just sort of round off the the cast. You got um, I'll just talk about him a little bit later on. But is it Roberts Blossom uh, as Old Man Marley? Yeah, uh, what yeah. a name! Um, but uh, such a nice. I mean, some of the best stuff in the film is between him and Kevin. Yeah, right? in the church and that. Um, but the main, you know, the the the, the main talk uh, that probably lend on um, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, who are so so good in this. Yeah. They are, you know, sort of following Kevin as your main character aside. You, you know, you just they are, and I think I read somewhere that they um, they. Uh, weren't they weren't convinced it was going to be a hit so they purposely overacted all the scenes um but it worked out so well yeah it's it's unbelievable people come <laughs> you, once you've seen the film you um not particularly nowadays but when you're a bit younger or when i was a bit younger you just literally are like you you you, you love the wit of it and you're taken away with it but you're kind of waiting for Ari and Marv to get to the house aren't you that's that's what yeah. where all the good stuff happens when you're a little bit younger and and that'd fall completely flat if those two weren't perfect yeah yeah absolutely i mean we i showed it to um the middle two kids for the first time this year um and my lad he's he's five and and uh, last she's she's four so i thought about the right age to to, yeah. to watch him and there was sort of I didn't realise until watching it with them that and it wasn't it wasn't a point for them to keep saying oh when are the burglars coming when is this going to happen when is that because you know to sort of convince them to watch it I'd sort of say you know it's about this little boy who's you know these people try and steal from his house at Christmas and he's he's got you know, his family aren't there and all that um, I kind of did half expect them to that first hour to turn around and say Oh, when they, when's that going to happen? When's that stuff you said was going to happen? You know? Yeah. Because it is a very... It does take its time. Mm. Um, I, I was surprised just by watching it back than this time. Um, just how much it, it does set up. And everyone remembers the, the, the traps and, you know, yeah. breaking into the house. And it, it is the the most memorable, memorable part of the film. Um. But yeah, it takes a hell of a, not not in a bad way, um, but it does take a lot of setup. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Quite so unusual for a film at its time of its time as well. 
in a comedy yeah. genre to, to to have that much payoff. Yeah, yeah, because it's. I mean, when it, it kicks in, it kicks in. But this to open a film where you know Joe Pesci's posing as a policeman, and you can see how chaotic the house is, and that's that's the introduction to the McAllisters and and everything. Um, but you know, we if you went in blind, you wouldn't know straight away that Joe Pesci was up to no good. No, because he plays it. Yeah, he plays it differently to to how he plays um, Harry. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and they make a point. You know, they highlight the, the whole tooth, you know, gleaming and everything. His gold tooth gleaming uh, yeah. as a reference for Kevin later on. Uh, but it's not. You know, it doesn't establish itself as some kind of. Oh, it's, it's a family comedy. It's a zany comedy or anything. It's just you know, this this family's incredibly chaotic. There's loads of people in the house. No one seems to know what's going on well that's um that's not more obvious where um where you've got like you said joe pesci's well as we know he's a police officer and he's trying to talk about security around uh christmas obviously that's yeah. very nice when we find out that he is the burglar so it's yeah. you know he's doing his due diligence almost yeah. um but there's nothing more when the pizza guy comes and you've got Joe Pesci waiting to talk to the parent, like the kids walk by, hi, your parents home? Yeah, do they live here? No. Yeah. And you just get those kind of zingers from the kids. And then the pizza guy turns up, he's waiting for like $130 for all the pizza yeah. and, and he can't find an adult anywhere, just kids flying around everywhere. So and it, is, it's, it just grabs your attention, doesn't it, from the start? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's sort of moving into, you know, the, I think when we first sort of see Kevin jumping on his mum's uh, bed, um, and they're talking about the holiday. They're saying, "Oh, you know, did you get that the the uh, adapter socket?" So you you know, you know the, well, what they're saying that they're going away. But then um, his dad says, "Kevin, are you going to move those micro machines?" And you know, I'm going to break my neck if I trip on on those. Yeah. So it's nice having those little sort of little things plotted about. Yeah. Uh, early on, and obviously the, the the conflict between, like we said, you know, the the pizza incident where um, you know Kevin. Kevin causes, uh, you know, buzz to knock, knock into something and it spills everything, spills all over the table and everyone's a complete dick to him. Um, yeah. But... Um, Even before that one, they we just asked people to help him pack a bag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> You're a disease and, you know, what's he, uh, what's he, yeah. what does Buzz say about growing on his ass? I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were grown on my ass. <laughs> but again, through that introduction of their characters, you get the introduction of uh, Old Man Marley. Yeah. Um, Robert's Blossom's character. Um, and he's, uh, you know, and they sort of weave this little creepy tale that he's killing Peter, shoveling the snow, but he's, he's gritting you know, the, the, with the salt and everything, but he's actually, hit, you know, killing people with a shovel and then mummifying their bodies, the um, <laughs> you know, with the salt and everything. Um, but that, but the, the, it's the, the attention to detail of that, because it's like, even though Buzz is bullshitting, and you know he is, mm. that Kevin and the other one, the other kid, are both like, wow. And then as soon as he looks at the window, all three of them are like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they completely suck it in, aren't they? And it's, it's, yeah, it's like child, childlike innocence. And I think that sort of builds up nicely, is that you get a really clear snapshot of who 
in a, in a very short amount of time of you know who this family are and and their individual personalities um, yeah because equally you could have imagined in an ultimate matrix reality that that this film was all such a loving family it's so tragic that kevin's left on his own and then he defends his house against burglars and everyone comes back where actually i like kevin's attitude like when he's walking by and she goes to when uh, Catherine o'hara goes to uh, joe pesci she's like says yeah i live here kind of thing we're going away and can you excuse me this one's a little bit out of sorts and then yeah. Kevin's first thing is to go, why don't you bring more pe- more cheese pizza? <laughs> gives sass back where I feel he deserves to give sass to people. Because he's putting with so much shit. Like, I can't wait till I get married. Because so I can live alone. I'm living alone. <laughs> I mean, he's, he can't help but, but love him, can he? Because it's like when she stays upstairs and it's like, you know, going off to bed. He goes, what, in the attic? He says, yeah, Fuller will be up soon. Oh, you know, not fully, you know, he went to the bed and giving it all that. Because um, that shot where they're about full away in the bed and it cuts to Kieran Cook and he just raises his eyebrows when he's drinking that, that Coke. <laughs> um, but, uh, Get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Upstairs yeah. again. <laughs> when she says, like, um, I don't want to see you for the rest of the, rest of the night, and he's like, I don't want to see you for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then when she says, like, uh, was it, you'll, um, you'll be very upset. You'll be a really happy boy in the morning if you wake up. You've got no family. Um, but do you see what goes from there? And this is the thing what I noticed with the kids to how we watch the film is that Kevin essentially makes his wish when he's laid in bed yeah. that he never wants to see his family again. And then you could just take the next little sequence of the wind blowing and the other tree wrench falling on the power cables and everything you could take that as just being uh, a, you know a, a coincidence but there's something in it that especially for for my kids watching it it almost seemed like his wish was coming true that there was some kind of yeah force in play that would yeah. eventually swing you know come full circle in that kevin appreciates his family by the end of it because of this wish that he makes you know it's sort of yeah. it's that age-old tale of like sort of you, you don't, you don't. You, if you wish for what you, you don't always wish for what you want. You, you don't always get what you want, but in a roundabout way, it works. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so they thought, you know, they're only really young, but they thought like, oh, because the wind was blowing and you know there was stuff scattering about and the the, the tree branch falls on the power lines, that they thought like, oh, was it something? Was it literally? Yeah. His wish. wish that made them, yeah, that made them sort of late and everything. Well, it's good amb- ambiguity yeah. from a director to make to, mm. to kind of have that conversation because, like you said, from your kids that are young to be able to like understand that almost, yeah. So they're not sat watching some, oh my god, what, why are they so late? Oh, alarms, power, yeah, great, yeah. <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> it's really nice that we find that funny and stuff we could oh my god we can relate to that now but um from a kid's point of view it's that it just adds that christmas kind of magic don't it wishes and and you know festivities and you know like you said the wind blowing and it just sets the scene perfectly to you know and it like you said it's a kid's wish sometimes to be more grown up yeah 
That's what you do as a kid. You wish your life away, don't you? You do, yeah. And then you you regret it when you get older. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was it Emma Simpson who, uh, when he's in the hospital or old folks' home, and he says, oh, I love it here, Marge. It's like being in an old folks' home. But this time, you you, you know, everyone does everything for you, but you, you, you've assigned a mind to appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know when they wake up in the morning? Um, and and Catherine and I sort of reaches up and looks at a watch, and uh, and I can't remember what what that's called. Uh, I can't remember what the characters are actually called. Um, it's Peter, isn't it? It's Peter and Peter McAllister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like she goes, you know, and they both go, "We slept in," and then you get the. Yeah, they get the and you get the sort of quick editing. Everything's sped up. Everyone's running around in different states of dress, trying to get ready. Um, and all it comes down to is just that little lad from from next door being a nosy little shit. Which <laughs> <laughs> gets the count wrong um, for the long game on the, on the minibuses, and it's a, it's a great get out. Of, yeah. You know, and and because they're separated, there's two vehicles. You'd naturally assume, well, if Kevin's not in with Mum and Dad in one vehicle, then they must be in with Frank and whoever in the other one. You just don't worry about it. It's not like you're in an age where you can text saying, "Oh, he's Kevin up there with you. How's Kevin?" or whatever. You just you know, he didn't yeah. exist by then. You just take it on face value. And then the panic to the airport, the panic can run, um, everything. So they haven't had time to stop. You know, they've got all the tickets because there is that little that bit when um, things get spilled and one of the tickets does get thrown in the bin. Kevin's name's on top of it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's you know when they're doing the check-in when they're running to the gate and everything, and she she counts the tickets and she the uh, the hostess is counting everyone. So again, it's just a a, a series of you know the... unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you get sort of like Kevin waking up, you know, is the whole going round and looking at the house and with mom, dad, you know, buzz, anybody, and looking around, so still going round. And I think from that point, when he decides, you know, it's the I made my family disappear sort of line, and everything that jumps into his head then, and I think we would have been the same if we were kids, if you had the opportunity to have the whole run of the house yourself, you would just pick oh, yeah. about, wouldn't you? And you'd do whatever the fuck you wanted to do. And I think that's part of the magic as well, because you get to live through Kevin's eyes, you get to live that yeah. enjoyment, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, what is it, the... Um, it eventually like leads up to the bit where he's he's going shopping on his own. So it, and that always makes me laugh because because you get the kind of like eating ice cream. You know, does he go like I'm I'm watching garbage on TV and eating crap or whatever? You know, come and stop me. Um, but then it's always quite funny because you always get those things where he's messing around in Buzz's room. He he gets the is it porno mag or whatever? And he, oh, put no picture of his girlfriend. So he's like, woof. <laughs> Did you know that was a boy? The boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they said, I think it was like the first director or someone like that. It was their son because Chris Columbus didn't want to upset any a young girl um, by them taking the piss. I think it was quite lovely, but it just adds to the 
That's hilarious. It's a comedy value, doesn't it? But don't you find that it's funny that he goes, like you said, he, we live out our fan, like childlike fantasies as children watching it when you're thinking, God, that's awesome. I wish I could do that. But then once you get past that, it's like he then he's then going to the shop and trying to be responsible and then getting yeah. himself a microwave meal and stuff like yeah, that. Definitely. I always yeah. thought that was quite funny and sweet as well. Yeah, it's when he sort of starts doing the washing. Yeah. Yeah. And all those like you said, there's all those little adult responsibilities start creeping in. And he, yeah. he he's he's gone you know, he's had his fun, he's he's rode his sledge out, you know, down the stairs out front door. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's watched eight, was it um, <laughs> the angels with filthy souls? Soul. Yeah, yeah. Keep the change and, uh, filthy. Filthy. Yeah, I think I've got a Christmas jumper somewhere. <laughs> um, you may smoke in everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's like even when we jump to. You know, you've got your sort of three, three sort of sort of stories sort of going on because um, you've got Kevin, you know, messing about to being responsible in the house on his own and you know doing all those things. You know, you've got we you know, we cut to Harry and Marv who are robbing the house next door, um, yeah. doing the whole wet bandits thing um, and talking about. That they desperately want to rob the McAllister's house, um, and then you've got Kevin's mum and dad, and the realization that they have left him home alone, yeah. um, and everything that goes on there. But I think it's again, it's it's not until I think it goes through the motions in a in a positive way. You know, they're sort of like in France phoning up people, doing all this. Um, it's when Harry and Marv, I think, that first time, try and go into the McAllisters, um, and they sort of, you know, they go, someone's at home, so they, they back off, they go, oh, we'll go tomorrow, <laughs> and they go back, and it's when Harry sends Marv to go and, go and check out what's going on, and he only puts his foot through the, um, through the uh, dog flap. Yeah. And his shoe falls off, and he just goes, shit. It's like the most... <laughs> the, the most clumsiest burglar ever. It's when Kevin replays Angels with Filthy Souls. And he's like... Dennis is running around, assuming someone's just got whacked. It's like, God, this one just got blown away. It was, did you hear a name? Snakes. It was snakes. <laughs> He sounded like a snake. <laughs> what the fuck are you about? <laughs> but I think it, I just I just love the the whole um you know it's that you know when they almost run Kevin over when Kevin's quite sad by this point that he's still on his own and they have that you know Marv uh, sorry Harry makes that connection you know as he's seen him before and and they realise that he's on his own. Um, and Kevin runs away, and they, they get you know they get all this thing about Kevin getting prepared. But it's when he goes to church, and that's what I talked about before with Robert Blossom. Is that it's he's had his two sort of scares from from Marley, but there's such a beautiful thing. This is 
John Hughes at his best, and we've talked about this in Planes, Trains as well, but when Kevin sat in the church, um, almost just, just for a bit of company, it doesn't seem, we don't, don't talk about Kevin being overly religious or anything, it just seems like he's gone, he's gone somewhere he knows he'll be welcomed and everything. And I think as a kid, when you automatically just assume church is the like most pure, natural, mm. even if you're not, yeah. not a religious family or something, you assume good with the church so and he feels yeah. like he's been bad doesn't he and he starts yeah, he does, to feel like yeah, his yeah. wish is, is, is wrong so yeah. yeah yeah it's a little bit of personal growth for him isn't it it's, yeah uh, it's really nice and then but it's the, the conversation he has with marley and it's almost like kevin becomes a fully fledged grown-up in that yeah. sequence um because he doesn't in a very childlike way he almost doesn't see the sense in not talking to someone. Yeah. Just because you're worried that that person won't talk to you. Yeah, and we've all been there. We've all been in that predicament where we've, we've not spoken to you, we've been afraid to talk to someone. Of course, yeah. Or, or we've not messaged someone, we've not reached out to someone because I think, well, they've not messaged me. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So for, for Kevin in his, again, he's in his innocence, but he's sort of newfound. Yeah, you know, um, almost adult mindset. It just he he solves a long term family problem. Well, he has no life. ego, does he? He's he's oh, yeah. to me have no ego. So, and I think that, like you said, in its in his naivety, is like cut through all the ego and bullshit that, and all you know when people always say things are complicated. As a kid, I, you know, like when people split up. Um, and stuff, and, and you're a kid, and you're like, Why? How's that happened? Why can't why, what? Why don't you just try? Like, you know, that kind of naive kind of like mindset. And yet, obviously, things are more complex in you know adult life than that. But also, sometimes, as adults, I believe we overcomplicate things and make things worse. So, it is funny that, yeah. like, in this movie, that a child is depicted as having that like innocence to just go, Um. But you could just ring them, and yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, you fucking right, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just boiled down to like so simplistic terms that it's almost like you can't argue with that logic. It's like a computer's logic; like yeah. it doesn't care about ifs and maybes. It cares about facts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just—it's such a—I don't know—you just really feel for him. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's, again, it's, it's testament to, to Hughes' writing that such a small, relatively small scene in that film is quite important to both those characters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, based that with, you know, playing across his mum desperately trying to get back, um, and doing absolutely anything. I think you're not far off her sort of being in France offering you know, a, a plane ticket for Friday to that old couple and her mm. earrings and, and everything and, and pleading because you know she's a mother and, and you know and it's the it's the same old guy from planes trains, isn't it, on the plane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um you know, 
and when he goes like she's got on about the earrings i hope it kind of opens the same character so it's just like yeah she's got a shoebox full of really dangly ones and i'm hoping that the dell shower curtains yeah shower, <laughs> shower curtain um, oh, loops um but um yeah it's 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 integral really nice i think and the crux of the story obviously and the, the, the bit that everyone wants to get back to is Kevin. I mean, we've already seen his ingenuity when um, he sets up the house the first time. Yeah. He went in there and he sort of sets up with Michael all, Jordan called Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, and um, sort of all the mannequins dancing about and everything. You see that he's a bright lad. Uh, but it's that. It's, it's the, the bit that every, you know, we've said before that but everyone remembers. And, and I think. I would dare say it's people's it's the people's take audience's takeaway memory of, of the film is what happens in this final act. Um yeah. but it just goes it goes from and I think it's in such a good way, it goes from being slightly sort of pratfallish, um, almost Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin yeah. sort of humour. And then sort of adds a dose of Looney Tunes, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a bit sort of Tom and Jerry yeah. type violence, um, and it's all the better for it. This, you know, if if it's not Harry sort of trying to go up the front steps and <laughs> falling over, it's it's Marv falling down the back steps, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in the back door. But <laughs> 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 it's everything. It just falls along so well. You've got. You know, Harry burning his hand on the doorknob, um, and Marv <laughs> standing on that fucking nail on the stairs oh, after, after after having an iron land on his face. <laughs> um, it's the stuff that gets me when it's you know when Harry tries Harry tries the other door, they preserve this. <laughs> Blow torch on his head. It's it's Joe. It's the genius in Joe Pesci's, you know, yeah. in his performance in that bit. It's that sort of. It's his face. It does. Yes, Let's see how he sort of goes on, puts his head in the snow, and um, it's the bubbles that get me. Oh, the bloody standing the bubbles through the window. Um. And it's, when they finally do meet up, like you say, it's, it's that, you know, why are your shoes off? Why are you wearing no shoes? Why are you dressed like a chicken? It's beautiful. It's so stupid. I have to give um, a shout out to, to one of our listeners, uh, Jay, because it's one of his favourite movies. And every time um, Home Alone comes up, he's always like, why just a chicken? <laughs> it's just the go-to line. It's quite just stupid. I think it is actually an improvised by Daniel Stern. That oh, is. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's wonderful. I but it's I funny that it's funny that they're both in such a state <laughs> he notices that he's got no shoes on. <laughs> that's the biggest <laughs> problem. <laughs> yeah, it's not the massive fucking iron imprint on his face. Or... Yeah. Oh, uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's it's full balls out comedy at this point, and it's. You, know, you go from I think it's not long after that you get the the paintings, um, <laughs> and it's like when when um, Harry lands on Marv 
And Mom just goes, ooh, Harry, your teeth. My gold tooth, my gold tooth. That's all he seems to be bothered about. Not that he just almost had his skull crushed in by painting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, mate, oh, it's just... The oh, spider will always get me. Oh, always, always get me. Steve's reaction <laughs> is phenomenal. It really is. It's just, it's the the most girliest female scream that's yeah. ever erupted from a man's face. It is just so on point. Like I said, I'm terrified of spiders, and I completely believe that would be me. That's an extension if I ever had it. I think, apart from the, doing the Tom and Jerry where I'd lie down and my spirit would rise um, from my body, holding a flower and floating up into heaven. <laughs> I believe that would be the noise that would come out of me. So when I see that, it's not only funny, it's relatable, so it makes me laugh even more. <laughs> and it's the, 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 the music coming to a crescendo and then it just all like stops and it's just <laughs> the fact that the spider's walked away <laughs> and he's still screaming. Oh, snorted. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I just, I think, it, I mentioned this before, but you know when Kevin sort of runs out to the, the treehouse? Um, and, it, and it's that line, I just, it's so random. I, it's, it's improvised. I, I've, I've never, yeah. I think, I've, I've obviously heard it before. But yeah. I don't think it's until I was watching it with the kids. Like, you know, Kevin, Kevin's gone into the treehouse and they run to the window where Kevin was. And and Harry says something along the lines of, where did he go? You know, well, it was a little brat or whatever. And it's just Marv's first, the first thing that comes to his head is, maybe he committed suicide. <laughs> what the fuck? Why would you come to that conclusion? <laughs> Straight away. Yeah, just say it. That's his first thought. Is this eight-year-old who's besting them would then just like after going through all that trouble would then end his own life in a treehouse? <laughs> tree oh, you know, it, and I think you can sort of quite sum up that you know they 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 almost get the better of Kevin in the next door neighbor's house, which is what they've already robbed. Um, and it was down to old man Marley to, you know, take them over there with a for that part of the story to conclude. Um, but while this is all happening, and I want to talk about this as a, as a, as a separate part, because it is very important that Catherine O'Hara is still trying to get home. Um, and it's when she's back in, I think she's in Scranton. Yeah. Um, and she again, she's Pennsylvania or something, and so, yeah, and she's yeah. really going for it. And, and she says, like, you know, if I had to sell, sell my soul to the devil himself, you know, I will get home to see my boy. And it's just in the background, all the way through that sequence, there's just this concerned figure just looking at it. And as soon as she says that about selling, selling a soul, he gets that. Look at it, wonderful look at his face of like slightly horrified, you know, um, almost like worried face. And it's the absolute wonderful John Candy, yeah, um, who 
who gets to play across like his his actor and Catherine Ellis was his best friend. Um you know, so he gets to play across from her. Um and you know, they offer her a lift home. And it's just so I think it's so warming to know that someone yeah. would do you know hearing her plight would do that. You know, all they can all they've got is um a truck, it's a rental truck to be able to take it. She's gonna sit in the back with them all. Um is poker band. Um, is it Gus? <laughs> Gus yeah. uh, King, King, the poker king or something like that, wasn't it? Um yeah, poker, poker, poker. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few hits. Ain't what Chicago? No Sheboygan. Very big yeah. Sheboygan. <laughs> I think we sold about what, 650 copies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite sad, like, you know, they're sort of doing the, um, playing deck the halls, you know, on, on the instruments is like a bit of fun, but it, it, when they all tire out, there's quite a sort of little sad story about how they've been on the road so much that, you know, some of them haven't seen the kids in a while, and one of them's never met the kids, you know, yeah. I think he said one of them, his kids hope never meet him, and you know, it's yeah. And she's trying to sort of talk about how she's so worried about Kevin because he's sensitive, and, and it's just John Candy's, you know, sort of um, his whole story. Cause I think his entire dialogue is in it um, ad libbed. Yeah, because um, he, he received the lowest <clears throat> pay you can get, minimum wage essentially for, from the screenwriters or, or actors association, you know what I mean? One of those mm-hmm. funny associations. And part of it was obviously he was helping out uh, John Hughes, but the other thing was that, um, that he, he just didn't really have time to script anything. And obviously John Hughes really trusts um, John Candy, who wouldn't. And he just came in and just fired off <laughs> everything. It's just his story about his leaving his kid in the... Um... Sit in the funeral parlour <laughs> for like eight hours or whatever it is. It's like he's, he's trying to be comforting, but he's just making things worse. He says, "Oh yeah, so far. yeah, they were fine when they started talking again." You know, about like three weeks later. <laughs> it's like you're not helping. Well, well, you asked. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. I think that that little slice is just shows you the genius that was John Candy. Um, mm. Yeah. he could have gone completely over the top and instead he fits it into a nice little believable kind of story that's just slightly so surreal that you just buy it in this film and it fits yeah. into it it's, it's it's brilliant but props to, to Catherine Ara for going along with it and yeah absolutely you know, you know so she, she sort of just goes with it and they have good chemistry don't they anyway like oh, you said yeah. they're good friends as well and they've yeah. got very good chemistry but uh I think it's when she finally gets back, um, and you know she goes. Kevin's already decorated everything, and um, sort of decorated the house, got ready for them, put stockings up, and he, he Kevin wakes up, runs downstairs, and it's when she stood behind him, and you know he turns around, and he gives her that look, and obviously she's just had that story from John Candy about. <laughs> How his kids sort of <laughs> a bit tapped now, so there is that worry on her face. Yeah, um, 
and they could have quite easily finished the film. I think they did say that the, the film was going to be a freeze frame on on Kevin O'Giddy's mother or something like that. That's how it was going to end originally. Um, and it, it would have been satisfying to finish yeah. the film there. But then, obviously, they bring the family back. Um, everyone's happy to see him. Everyone's really impressed that he's done the washing until Buzz yep. goes up and sees his room. Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> but then it's Kevin going to the window and seeing Marley with his son and his granddaughter yeah. embracing, and that's you, you've not just got the the beautiful, you know, I think you've got a gut punch to the heart of Kevin being reunited with his mum, uh, especially you know you've already got your happy ending. You know the the way bandits have got arrested and everything. You know, but you you get that extra. You know, there's that extra punch again of of seeing while this story resolved, which they didn't need to do. They didn't have to do it. No, of course they didn't. We could have just um, just his story could have ended with Kevin um, having faith in people doing the right thing, mm. going to church for his sins, almost like, you know, symbolistic yeah. and, and going and say, doing that brings Marley back to his family. So that concludes by Marley then helping Kevin like yeah. self attacks, you know, mm. all kind of like joining up and like your ducks in a row, everything like having a chain reaction. And that yeah. could have been that, that would have been happy enough. People would have probably how frantic the last act of the film is and memorable people wouldn't have really gone ah oh, or maybe not have worried about it but it's that like you said it's that cherry isn't it yeah. it's that it's that christmas is about giving kind of thing it's not just about me it's about your impact on everybody so that uh, not only do you see kevin with his mom you see, like you said you see him with his family and then kevin's reaction to that and a little wave hello to yeah. you know to kevin and stuff so it's 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 that giving outwardly to people and stuff so so it, like you said it's not just them two relating it's kevin's learned something he's not learned just yeah. to not be a, a bad kid as he or to to to, to, to um like behave better with his family etc he's, he's learned like you said like he's grown up to be a little adult like in the yeah. church and we've seen that is that the consequences of well not not bad consequences but we see like what's happened um, because of his uh, selfless actions, I think it is nice. And that's what Christmas is, isn't it? I mean, well, the most famous yeah. film of Christmas is, is is probably Scrooge, and then we have Marley in Scrooge, and we have the old man Marley named mm-hmm. <laughs> probably after yeah. after that character. So it's nice that you get those themes kind of running through the film, very very thin and very fine, but that they are there. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, man. I think it's it's so nice. You know, it is this this time of year it's traditionally about you know without your sort of you know your religious side of things um, whichever way people want to go down down that way it's sort of as a whole it's a time for family it's a time to be together um you know it's 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 time to 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 share and 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 just sort of take take joy in what you've got um and I think that it, it, all these elements, Home Alone wears really proudly on its sleeves, um, and it, it helps as well that he's, you know, it's it's backed by a 
fucking phenomenal score by John Williams. Well, I was just going to say that, that we've spoke so much about the film, but probably the MVP mm. that you can recognise, like you said, the, the, the music, the like crazy, frenetic, yeah. like run to the airport and wake up. But that's how many, how many times has that been used in movie trailers and, and still now on adverts yeah, and stuff? It's, yeah, constantly. And the main theme from Home Alone is like the credits and stuff like that for it. It's well, they didn't think they'd get Williams, did they? Obviously, yeah. it's a superb John Williams and legendary, but they never thought they'd get him. And <laughs> bless him, he saw a rough cut of the film and fell in love with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, why wouldn't you? It's just well, he elevates the film one hundred percent. The film's elevated, oh, like yeah. you said. It's it's a film of many parts, um, and all fine tuned. But is is music is very important. Oh, yeah, very absolutely. important, and yeah. it has that childlike innocence, but it has that magical, like, like Christmas time feel without feeling like it is Christmassy, like without feeling like oh, this is a Christmas film. So, you know, yeah. we've got to have everything with like jingle bells and and, and and themes worked in from like kind of like Christmas songs or classic carols and tales. We we just get this kind of like, like. Like almost like magical kind of, of, of a bit of music, a little bit of wonder to everything, and it mm. is that because it's that time of year, and yeah, you know, again, yeah. it's refreshing. There's some restraint shown in there. Yeah, well, I think that like you said, the two main themes you've got the sort of and that's sort of like you know sort of Christmassy thing, but the opening credits theme, the yeah. it's almost mischievous. Yeah, it's, I do yeah. get gremlin vibes from yes from yeah. the kind of where it's like it is a family film, but there is like it is like a bit of a wink to the adults, like you'll enjoy this with us, you know, you know, yeah. sit along and stuff like that. Like we've always spoke about like having family films. Like it became when did it become a bad thing? Yeah, yeah. Like 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 when did they start dumbing them down? Kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's there's it, a reason that it was you know, the most successful film of its year and it's I think even adjusted for inflation, I think it's one of the highest domestic box office yeah. successes. Um with very good reason. And it's it spawned a, a franchise where I think there's only I mean I've I've, I've seen obviously Lost in New York and I think growing up watching Elmore Three, which is just dire, but you know, it, it's Equally successful in its its sequel, Homeland Two, is I think, and it's it's on par for me. Um, but I'm sure we'll we'll do that one Christmas. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just it's a, just an all round solid film. It's uh, yeah. I think we've covered most of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I just wanted to point out that you've just, you've just, as as we get to that time where we review what we think about it, um, mm. like, just for a second, just stop and think about 1990 family comedy film. Just, if you've never seen this film and you you just sit listening to what me and you said, mm. part of you could be like, ugh. Sounds like it could be a recipe for disaster, if I'm honest. Yeah. Just, just you know, like walking that fine line between real life and cartoon, mm. between between um, like family madcap comedy towards heartwarming drama and stuff. It's you know, you've got to be some kind of writer and some kind of guy yeah. to be able to pull that off. And obviously, those two, those two have 
you know, able to do that because they've got talent in abundance there. But yeah. um, you look at Omelun 3, mm. that is exactly what this 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 film could have been in lesser hands. Yeah. Yeah. That is the that is the like, you know, kind of beer goggles off moment, like what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is what this is what probably ninety nine times out of a hundred these kind of films would turn out like when yeah. you don't work with talented people, when when studios don't give you the right amount of either not money like you throw money at it, but when they don't have people that that are just that talented and that careful with the craft and stuff like that. So you don't have to look far at the tree theater or down the list of films to see what could have happened. So no, for me, I, I absolutely think taking that into account and the cultural impact, um, that it, that it's had on not just movies, but on Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's, I was going to say it's, the entire crew, I think there weren't many changes, but the entire crew returned for Home Alone 2. Um, but they also uh, worked on Only the Lonely, which was the John Candy led film, which yeah. I've never seen. Um, and it's something that I definitely, it's on my list of things, you know. And so it makes you wonder, and it's, I think it's one of these things, I don't think it was a box office success, but it was highly regarded. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely worth, I think, worth adding to a list to check out. Because if you've got this team who are putting this much effort and heart and love into yeah. a project, and then doing you know something similar and John Candy's the focus, then you'd hope that you'd have a, another winner. Yeah. Hands. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, it's, you're right. You're right. So going back to the whole Christmas thing, it is. It just sums up, and it's such a, a perfect film to get all cuddled up together with your kids and you know your family, and get a blanket over you and just yeah, just chill out for an hour and forty minutes. It is Christmas com. It's a Christmas comfort food. It oh, it is yeah, really is. So all right, we've got to that time, matey. Um, yeah. How how are you rating Home Alone? Uh, yeah, it's got it's got to be a golden one. I think it's it's it, like I said, it's just it transcends film. Mm. Like if like you know cinema, you've got film, certain films that are obviously like almost universally known. You only have to mention like the title and everyone suddenly has it, even if they've not seen it, will know characters and stuff like that from it and stuff. So I'm not saying Home Alone's like yeah, the greatest film ever made, but it does its job perfectly. Um, and it's, it is the definition for me of a family movie. Like you've got, yeah. like you've got the, the, the villains of the film are going to be so appreciated by the adults. You really do appreciate them. Um, and I just think that, like, as a kid, you live out your fantasies through Kevin. Yeah. And you've got the heartwarming stuff we spoke about. You've, so you've got comedy. You've got, you've, you've got a bit of everything. And it is laugh-out-loud funny. Like, yeah. it, the slapstick is brilliant, and when it gets to the final act. But also, you do appreciate some... Like I said, I, 
the one thing that really frustrates me watching the film is how much the family are assholes to him. They they are yeah. so cruel to him. But I love his sass. Yeah. And watching that first half an hour for me, I love it when he like tells his mum she's a dummy. <laughs> I love it when he, when she just says, you know, when he says I don't want to see Kevin for the rest of my life. It's just so cold. <laughs> Say good night, Kevin. Good night, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Little things like that. It's just absolutely fantastic. So. I, 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 it's like we said a couple of weeks ago with Predator. There's just sometimes some films are, are, are created, um, and they almost leave like a little subgenre, or or they just leave such a, an impact that it's just it'd be a disservice to say anything less. Yeah, I completely agree with you, mate. I think it's, it's a golden biscuit for me, and I think you're right. It, it does transcend film because it it's so built up into that sort of Christmas psyche. It's very you know, mm-hmm. it, it it's become a part of the season, and and for us especially, it's just as tra- traditional as putting the tree up or yeah. hanging the stockings, or you know, you get there's certain films, yeah, that help someone for Christmas, and will always be you know there'll be films that we pass on to our kids. You know, like I've done. Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll want to watch it every year. I've already told them that there's a second one, and they're excited about watching the second one. And you know, <laughs> it is a, it's that it is a little Christmas gift that keeps on giving. To be really cheesy, it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think again, like you said, it could have been so different if it not had the hands on it that it had. It was so fortunate that all these these people came together. Um, yeah, and it worked phenomenally well. It's uh, yeah, it's just a, a great, great family film, great film, regardless. But you know, just perfect for for now, for this time of time of year. And it, it's just it. I think, especially with everything that's gone on this year, um, and I get, I think a lot of stuff we we what well, our favorite Christmas films will help do this. It's just remind people that there is there is fun to be out and you know you can just you know not forget about all the, the crap that's outside your door but can just help you you know sort of put a little rose tint over it for a little while yeah some christmas beer goggles yeah yeah <laughs> festive yeah, goggles yeah and just I'm, I'm goggles <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you, do you love Walton Goggins? Um, a little bit. Not so much, but a little bit. <laughs> you don't want to put Walton Goggins on your face, then. Yeah. Uh, I think I have to draw a line somewhere. <laughs> no, I've got a euphemism. <laughs> oh, bless you. Oh. Well, uh, yeah, as always, if, uh, if you're liking what we're doing, then please subscribe, give us a like, all that rigmarole. Um, follow us on on Twitter and Insta. If you, the rats um, really help us, don't they? Yes, they do. They, they really, really do. So give us, yeah, give us a thumb up. Yeah, give us a Christmas like. Yeah, why not? Yeah, not? And, um, yeah or and, rob um, your ass. <laughs> we'll grinch you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. Yeah, from uh, from us anyway. That's that's uh, a, a very very festive farewell for this week, and um, yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon, mate. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah, Thank you too.
Yeah, cheers. Bye, everyone. <laughs>